Lord, I do praise you and thank you that you are with us, with us in a fire, with us as a shelter. Where else would we go but with the Lord of hosts? Father, thank you so much for caring for us enough that you would do all these things for us, that you would make a way out of no way where we uh, don't know where else we would turn. You will always be there, even when we're going in the opposite direction. Father, thank you for grabbing us and, and pulling us back and putting us back on the right path. When our world seems to be falling down around us, thank you for being there with us, carrying us through, providing a shelter for us so that we can go on, not for our own sake, but so we can bring you glory, the glory for which you rightly deserve. Help us to remember even those small things, those things that happen that we don't think much of, help to bring those to remembrance so that we can give you thanks that we can lift your name on high, that we would go tell somebody else about how good you are. Father, we thank you. As we open up your sacred text here this morning, we, we look to you to speak to us through your words. Not for our, our head knowledge, but so that we can know you better. We can know you more deeply and that we will be filled with, with how much you care for your people. Father, won't you give me the words to say and how to say them? May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, and whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning again, family. Well, we're concluding our, our series in the book of Acts here this morning. So if you turn there with me in your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 28. You know, as, as we grow up, if you remember being kids, we've got some children in the room with us today. Um, when, we, when we start out reading, we read these stories and we, we hear about, they, they follow this, this specific pattern that takes place. We get introduced to the characters and then um, something happens in the midst of that story. And then uh, somehow always that, that, that the story gets resolved. Whatever mishaps happen, the challenges that take place, they get resolved. And many of us will remember the phrase that, that we grew up on at the end of the book, you would see it, and they lived, what, happily ever after. Wasn't that comforting? To, to be able to read through and, and maybe you got drawn into the characters and you, you can't believe the trouble that they got into and, and you're rooting for them. You say, well, I don't know how they're going to make it out. And then you start to see it resolve and you get excited. And at the end of the story, they live happy to have everyone. Yes, they made it. They did it. It gives us hope. It gives us some joy, not only to see these characters in the books or the movies that we see, but, but also for us. We, we want to live happily ever after too, don't we? And so it's, it's kind of frustrating when you watch a movie or you read a, a book these days and they leave loose ends. And you read through, you get invested in the characters, you get invested in the story and you see them overcoming, but then they fall back and something else happens and then the story ends. You're like, wait a minute, what, what, what just happened? You can't end it there? Like these movies that will end with to be continued. 
that leave you on a, why would you do that? You, you spent two hours watching a movie for it to end with to be continued so that <laughs> you, can, you can come watch the sequel later. <laughs> but man, we, we, we don't like having these loose ends. We want things tied up very neatly at the end of the story so that we can have closure, that we can see things are finished and done and we can move on to the next thing. It stops occupying our minds and we can move on to the next thing. Well, as we close the book of Acts today, it doesn't really end as nice and tidy as we would hope and expect. I don't want you to be disappointed. In case you haven't read the book of Acts, I want to prepare you for that. It doesn't end as we would anticipate, or does it? Are we left with something nice and tidy, or does it just look different than what we expect? Let's see. As we go through, and we've looked through the book of Acts, Luke does a great job of helping us to understand the sovereignty of God. Again, the sovereignty of God, when we talk about sovereignty, that means supreme power and authority. Luke has given us example after example of how Paul is under God's continuous protection. God has used both supernatural means as well as orchestrating governments and using individuals who don't even believe in God, but he uses them to accomplish his purposes. Man, that's, that's the kind of God that we serve. He's not uh, prohibited from using any and all means to bring himself glory. And uh, at chapter 27 last week, we talked about how God is protecting Paul as well as the crew that he's on a ship with. And the, these passengers that are there, they're uh, navigating through this tumultuous storm. They don't know what's going to happen. They're throwing stuff overboard. They're getting nervous. They're like, we're not going to make it out of here. All of us are going to die. But it's because of Paul's testimony that they kind of calm down and they get some assurance that they're going to be able to make it through. Everyone did what Paul had to say, and they did it so that they can stay alive. And ultimately, they ended up leaving the ship unharmed. What a wonderful testimony that that is. Here in chapter 28, we pick up after they had shipwrecked on land. Look with me in Acts 28, chapter one, or verse 1 here. Acts 28, verse 1. And here God's word reads, after they were brought safely through, we then learned that the land island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness for they handled, uh, they, they uh, kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened to his hand. When the native people saw that the creature was hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt, this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Imagine this. As they have come off this 
the ship that going through the storm, they're like, I don't know how we're going to get through, but Paul says his God has got it. So, uh, I mean, our gods didn't work. Everybody has prayed to their own gods and just it's not working. It's not getting us there, but let's trust Paul. And sure enough, they're able to get through the storm. They, they, they have trouble docking and they end up shipwrecking on this island. And they, they make it there. I can imagine the people jumping off the ship, kissing the ground. They're like, oh, man, I don't know who this God is that Paul worships, but I, he's got something going on. Thank him for landing us on dry land again, that we're not going through the storm anymore. They were able to uh, go back to living a normal life. And as they get there, they meet the, the islanders that are there, and Paul gets to work. Paul, I love how Paul is the servant leader. He, he starts to go and, and bundle off sticks and help people to gather fire. He's not above anybody else in doing this work because there's no work that we do for the kingdom that is insignificant. Everybody matters. All the work that, that you do, all the, the gifts that you've been given to use for the kingdom and to, to, to share the good news is valuable and important. Even gathering sticks, even cleaning the church, even picking up some trash, even setting up in the sanctuary, even teaching Sunday school, even uh, taking somebody out for coffee and discipling them. All those things matter when it comes to the kingdom. And Paul is, is showing us this, but in the midst of picking up sticks, <laughs> he also picks up a poisonous steak. See, this is why I don't go outside. You don't know what you're getting. It just draws me back when we went on a mission trip and all the snakes that had to be killed. We're out, you know, uh, uh, breaking down brush and stuff. And they're like, oh, there, there's a, that's a rattlesnake. And I'm like, hey, I'm done. I'm, I'm out of here. That's enough for me. But Paul, <laughs> Paul, he, he experiences this and he goes and the text doesn't say how Paul reacted. We just know that he had a, a, a snake affixed to his hand. And so when the natives saw this, they assumed, hey, this, this snake is biting Paul. He's, he's got, he did something wrong. He's, he's obviously a murderer. He's escaped judgment, but he going to get his today. That's what they were thinking. But Paul, he goes and, and shakes it off, shakes it into the fire. It keeps working. <laughs> this is crazy to me. Imagine seeing this happen. And so the natives see this going on and they think one thing, they see him shaking it off like it's no big deal. How was he able to do this? How was Paul able to just act like it was no big deal, no thing to have this snake on his hand, shake it off and go about his business? The, the islanders say it must be because he's a god. But we know that's not true. We know Paul, in fact, is not a God, and he would tell you so himself. What we're seeing is we're getting a bird's eye view of the magnitude of Paul's faith. Paul has been shown time after time how faithful God is to him. We're seeing the sheer trust that Paul has in God. Remember, Jesus made it very clear that he would make it to Rome so that he can testify to Christ. They're not in Rome yet. They're in Malta. So I imagine, even though he has his poisonous snake affixed to his hand, he's like, 
Well, I know I'm going to get to Rome, so I'm just going to keep it moving. Uh, Look at all the things that Paul has been through up to this point. He's been in various jailings. He's been in beatings. He's had murder attempts. He's been through dangerous storms. And and the, the Lord has been there every step of the way. He's been there protecting him and bringing him through every single time. Well, man, what an amazing thing to happen. Brothers and sisters, look at your own life. I mean, we, we want to look at Paul and say, man, Paul has a cool testimony. Look at how many ways God has, has uh, uh, come to him and protected him and seen him through the storms. But I want to ask you today, how many times has God brought you through the storm? How many times has God been there protecting you in the midst of everything crashing down and things are not going your way. You might be in the middle of a storm right now, but how many times have you been through a similar storm in the past that brought you through? Even though you're in a storm now, I would, I would wager, I'm not a betting man, but if I was to bet it, it'd be on God, that he would be faithful to see you through this one too. None of us have an easy life. If you think about the pain and heartache that you've been through to get you here today, It's amazing. It's a a cause for praise. It's a cause for us to just to thank God for what he's done. We've got people in our midst today that have been hospitaled in the hospital due to COVID. Uh, They've been on the the dying, their their, their deathbed, not knowing if they're going to be able to come out and be able to breathe normally. But God brought them through. We've got people that have come through uh, uh, heart conditions and heart uh, challenges. We've got people who survived cancer diagnosis. We've got people who have lost their jobs. People have been through car accidents. People have lost family members. But it's by the grace of God that you're here today. Whew, man. God has saw them through. He saw us through. He's seen you through so that you can be here today. And for that, we should thank Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you. Because we don't deserve it. But he did it anyway. Because he loved you that much. Man, what a great God we serve. And he didn't bring you this far so that he can leave you. He, he, he did it before and he will do it again. Like the people, uh, the, the kids say these days, won't he do it? <laughs> won't he? Amen. Won't he do it? The God that rules over heaven and earth and the seas and all that's in it was with Paul, and that same God is with you too. What a ministry opportunity we see for Paul in this particular circumstance. These superstitious islanders who at one minute think, well, uh, this guy, he's going to get judgment for whatever he did. So like, well, maybe that's not the case. Maybe he's a God. He, they, they're very superstitious. They don't know what's going on. What an opportunity Paul has here. And they're amazed that Paul didn't keel over. They were waiting. They're like, well, he might have shook that snake off, but man, it's fair. Hey, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. Just watch out. Stay away from him. Don't get too close. We give him a few minutes and he's surely going to die. Well, it... In a few minutes, it didn't take him, but man, surely in a couple hours, he's not going to be able to handle it, withstand it. It just won't be enough. And 
And then it gets later that night, like, man, what's going on? I mean, we've seen those snakes before, and we see what kind of things that they do to people. What's going on with Paul? So Paul gets an opportunity to talk about King Jesus. He's like, let me tell you about the God that I serve. Let me tell you about the God that I worship. Look with me in verse 7, because he doesn't stop with just them. In verse 7, he says, Now in the neighborhood of the place where the, the lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with a fever and dysentery. Paul visited him with him and prayed and putting hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people in the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They honored us greatly. And we were about to sail. They put on board whatever we needed. Man, we see this time and time again with Paul as he travels around. He's very intentional about getting outside of his camp and the people that he's there with. He's very intentional about meeting other people, meeting new folks, getting to know them. Not so that he can be the popular guy that everybody wants to know. He's, got, he's on a mission. He's on a mission to tell people about Jesus. This is certainly a mark of an evangelist, but more importantly, the job of a disciple maker. He constantly is getting to know people with the express purpose of sharing the gospel. Some of you might say, well, I'm not an evangelist. Let me tell you something. Yes, you are. First and foremost, you're, you should be a disciple, somebody who has learned from Jesus so that you can be a disciple maker. The, the, the Great Commission tells us to teach all things I have commanded you. So everything that you learn, you, you spread to somebody else so that they can learn. So you, you might want to use a scapegoat of not, I'm not an evangelist, but I tell you what, you can't get away from being a disciple and you can't get away from being a disciple maker. That's our role, that's our aim, that's our job. That's at the core of our being if you call yourself a Christ follower, if you call yourself a Christian. You need to look like Christ and you need to help other people know what Christ looks like so they can look like Christ. Paul wasn't intimidated either about getting to know the chief man of the island. Regardless of position, title, stature, Everyone needs to hear about Jesus, from the custodian to the mayor, to the president. I don't care, to the CEO, whoever it is, they need Jesus too. And, and, and let me tell you something else. Even those people who call themselves Christian, we need to hear about the gospel too. We need to be reminded of the gospel because, man, the evil one, he, he knows how to get in and infiltrate and somehow we let the world seep into our attitudes and our thoughts and our feelings. And we forget about how strong the gospel is. So even us, those of us in, our, in this room who call ourselves Christians, we need to be reminded. Either we're reminding ourselves or our brothers and sisters come and remind us about the good news so that we can continue in our purpose. Paul wasn't like how some of us can be sometimes. With these folks here on the island, those people were very different than Paul. Their traditions were different. Their, uh, they looked different. They, they talked different. They acted different. They believed differently. But he, 
He just acted like Jesus acted. He did what Jesus would do, and he became a friend to sinners. Instead of focusing on all the differences, he focused on the one thing that can bring them together, and that's the blood of Jesus. It's amazing how even us here in this room, those of you who are joining us online, coming from different walks of life, different economic statuses, different education standards, different family backgrounds, the one thing that bonds us is the blood of Jesus. That's the one thing that brings us together so that we can do the work of the kingdom. Man, that's amazing. Wait till you get to heaven. Wait till you get to heaven and see how, how glorious that is. All the different people from different walks of life, from all the nations who were there with us worshiping. I can't wait for that day. Regardless of the differences, Jesus died for them too. He paid the penalty for them on the Christ as well. Paul built such a relationship with Publius that uh, Publius entertained them and had them over to his house. He was hospitable. I told y'all y'all was going to get tired of me talking about hospitality. If you don't get it yet, I'm just going to keep going. Because we continue to see this Time after time, because of God's common grace, we see that even the unredeemed humans can display good virtues. Even they can do good sometimes. They say even a broken clock is right twice a day. And so how much more should we who know Jesus Christ be able to be hospitable to others? If unbelievers have the capacity to do do good things, they just don't know why they're doing it. But as Christians, we should be known by our hospitality. Christ said they would know us by our love. Man, I wish that were true. Through the relationship that Paul built, he finds that Publius' father is sick. So he goes and he lays hands on him, he heals him, and then the word gets out, just like we saw with Jesus when he started to do these miracles. Word gets out, and people come out of the woodwork so they can be healed of their infirmities as well. They wanted to, to come and, and get, get taken care of. After all this, they stayed another three months there on the island before they get on the last leg to Rome. And then on the long, along the way, they make various stops. If you continue to read through, we're going to jump uh, to a later verse, but if you go home today and read through the rest of this chapter, you'll see that they make continuous stops as they're going on their way to Rome. And funny enough, as they go through, we see more hospitality. We see more brothers and sisters come and take them in and give them a place to rest and a place to sleep, a place to be with one another, to be taken care of until they finally make it to Rome. They did it. Paul made it. He got to Rome. Or rather, God did it. God is the one in control. God is the one who's sovereign. God is the one who saw him through all these things. God got him to Rome. And even though he's still a prisoner, he makes the most of his time. Check out what he writes to the Colossians when he's in prison. In Colossians 4 and, and 2, he says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 
At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am a prisoner, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of our time. Let your speak always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Catch how he is writing this prayer to the Colossians. It's a message uh, that Christ might be known. He's in prison. He's in chains. If it were me, I'd mess around. It's like, would you pray that I can get out of this place? These people are being so mean and so, uh, man, I'm tired of this. I don't know how, won't you be praying for me? I'm weak. I'm telling, <laughs> I don't know if I could be able to handle the stuff Paul went through. But Paul having his mind on his mission, he says, pray that I can use this time wisely to preach the gospel to everybody that needs to hear it. He's not concerned about his chains. He's not concerned about his aches and his pains, the, the beatings that were taking place. No, he is concerned about the people that he's been able to reach with the gospel because it means more. Their, their eternity means more than his earthly comfortability. That's how serious he was. What a great lesson this is for us to make the best use of our own time to live a life thinking about other people who don't know Jesus. Paul continued to rely on God in order to remain faithful and effective. And even though he was in jail, it was far less of a worry to him than the unbelievers that will experience eternity if they don't follow Jesus. It pales in comparison. These people that he's encountering, their eternity in, in hell and damnation versus his earthly comfortability. We know about at least one person that was converted during Paul's imprisonment. Paul wrote about a brother named Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave, and he writes in his letter to Philemon. And Philemon was the servant's owner. Look at what he says to Philemon in Philemon uh, 8 through 10. He says, according though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Then jumping down to verse 17, it says, So I consider, if, I, if you consider me your partner, receive me, receive him as you receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Because Paul was imprisoned, because he took his ministry seriously, the life of Onesimus was changed. Paul kept his focus on his mission instead of his own circumstances. Think about the guards that were there securing Paul at the time. Think about the impact he had on them because he was on mission, because he made the first things first, because he used his time wisely. Paul was the one imprisoned, but they were the one who were held captive. Because they had to be there. They had to make sure he didn't get out. 
And so Paul uses time. But well, while you're here, let me tell you about a man named Jesus. Let me tell you about what he did, how he lived. Let me tell you about what he's done for me. Let me tell you about the things he's done for his people. Some commentaries estimate that there are about 9,000 guards that were employed during that day. So Paul's message became known to many of them. Many of the officials, as well as the pagans in the streets, got to hear about Jesus because Paul was being held there in prison. Here's how Paul talks about this in his letter to the Philippians, Philippians 1 and 12. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He said, because I'm here and I'm able to share the good news with these people, they have gone on to be bold because of it and be able to share. Y'all don't hear me today. Y'all don't realize the repercussions and the ripple effects that this is having what's going on and the opportunities we have as well. Look at the Philippians 1 and 19. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that will full, with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And we all know this, this one in verse 21 is for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. He's like, look, I, I know what's awaiting and I'm anxious to get there, but I know that I got a job to do while I'm here. As I mentioned earlier, we tend to like happy endings, but we like stories where things are tied up and everything's in a nice little bowl, but sometimes we don't always get that closure. You might be a little disappointed reading the end of Acts where we're left with several open loops. And remember the whole reason. The whole reason that, that Paul is being taken to Rome is so that he can stand in trial before Caesar and plead his case. But we don't get to hear about that trial. We don't get to hear about him meeting with Caesar. As a matter of fact, we don't even get to know what happens to Paul after this. We don't get to know how long he lives. We don't get to know uh, how long he was able to minister. If this was a, a story or a movie written today, we'd have three or four sequels in order to, to show what is happening and going on. And we probably have some reboots along the way, like, okay, we need to retell the story completely. But if, if we're left with open loops today and stories and movies, we, we want to come back and have people come because we feel like there's, there's things that are left open, the things that are left undone. But we have to remember this. We don't get to know what happens to Paul, but this story is not about Paul. 
This is not a biography about Paul. The goal is not for us to know more about him. The goal is for us to learn more about God. The goal for us is to get to know more about Jesus Christ. Luke's purpose, as he describes at the beginning of Acts, is to talk about what Jesus accomplishes through the Holy Spirit. Luke's aim is to show us the unstoppable spread of the gospel. And Luke starts the book uh, in his Gospel of Luke this way in Acts 1 and 1. It says, in the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. The book of Acts is a continuance of the Gospel of Luke. So in the book of Acts, we see all the things Jesus continued to do through the Holy Spirit. And it's the ministry of Jesus through the Holy Spirit that uh, starts to take place. And we see this, this, all the stuff that happens through his church. So as we read this story, we have to remind ourselves who the hero is. As bad of a man as Paul was, bad meaning good. I mean, this, this guy, I, I call him the super evangelist, man. He's just going and going. It's amazing the things that Paul was able to do, but he is not the hero of the story. The hero is Jesus. We need to remember who the hero is, not just in this particular book, but in the entirety of the Bible. It's about Jesus. It's about who he is, why he came, what he did, what he is continuing to do. King Jesus is the hero of this story and every story. So we need to remind ourselves of that when, we, when we're reading in, in Scripture, but also when you're telling your own story. You are not the hero. Jesus is. Let's pray. What a hero you are, our God, our Savior. Thank you so much. Thank you for the reminder here today of how much you care for your people. And as we read about all the things that, that Paul has gone through and, and look at our own lives, the, the things that we have also been through, some of us have been through terrible storms as well, terrible tragedies. But if we're honest, we can see your handiwork through it all. We can see how you brought us from where we used to be to where we are today. Help us not to take that for granted. Help us to give you the thanks that you rightly deserve. And, and, and even as we go through the, the struggles and the strife uh, today, the things that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, help us to remember how faithful that you've always been to us you're not going to stop now. You're going to continue to be with us. Help us to turn to you. Help us to be on our knees and praying to you. Help us to, to be opening your scripture up to know more about you and to pour everything that we have. Make the main thing the main thing and, and understand who we are. 
in Christ Jesus. Help us to remember the purpose and the goal that we have here in this life. And it's for us to be disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. As we look forward to the day that we get to spend forever and eternity with you, that you would join us together, that these are your people, and that we would be together in worship for forever and eternity. Help us to look forward to that day. And help us to disregard our current comfort and circumstances as we strive to be the people that you've called us to be. Father, I thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.